It is Monday, January 3rd. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. Jaguars Happy Hour is brought to you by Jet Home Loans. And now, a guy whose New Year's resolutions include beer, beef, bourbon, and binge-watching The Bachelorette, J.P. Shadrick! A lot of Bs, and welcome in. It is Jaguars Happy Hour. On a Monday, we have arrived in 2022. There's one game left in the 2021 season. We have a busy show ahead, of course, every Monday. CBS Sports senior writer Pete Prisco standing by. We'll hear from Pride of the Jaguars left tackle Tony Baselli coming up in the second hour of the program tonight. We'll review week 17 because we must. Patriots 50, Jaguars 10. Not sure how they got 10. Social media questions. Yes, social media is an interesting space these days. We'll go around the NFL and hear some radio calls from around the league as well. Well, the uh, Jaguars and the Patriots. Jaguars are number one in Foxborough. That continued. The Patriots scored on eight out of ten possessions in the game yesterday, including five consecutive touchdown drives to open it up. Four in the first half. And then their opening drive of the second half as well. The Jags defense just couldn't stop the march of the Patriots offense led by Mac Jones. The Jags offense struggled. Three giveaways, interceptions by Trevor Lawrence, and it ended up being one of the worst losses in Jaguars history by a margin of defeat. The Jags outmanned. They had to promote the majority of the practice squad to the active roster due to the COVID-19 outbreak. Guys signed off the street late in the week. 20 on the reserve COVID-19 list at game time yesterday. After the game, Trevor Lawrence on focusing what he can control. Yeah, I mean, obviously I haven't been here that long. You know, I've been here for a year. Um, so, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll see in this offseason. That's something, like I said, we, we got one more left, and I'm putting everything I have into this last game and, and trying to get a win and finish strong with these guys and end on a positive note. But, um, yeah, I mean, I you know, I haven't been around the NFL long, so I really you still don't even know how, how everything completely works. But, um, you know, I'm just trusting, you know, who's in leadership positions. You know, at the end of the day, my job is to be a quarterback. Um, and, to, and to lead this team and you know I can only do so much and, and that's what I'm going to do so um, other than that you know I'm just going to put my head down go to work and um, yeah I have faith that, that, that we are going to come out um, in a way better spot next year than we are right now so I, I 100% believe that and I'm just looking forward to um, doing that because a lot of these guys deserve it. That's Trevor Lawrence after the game in Foxborough yesterday. Pete Prisco, CBS Sports senior writer, joining us now. And good afternoon to you, Pete. Happy New Year. Boy, I tell you what, he uh, he comes in. Am I? Well, we're uh, losing Pete in and out just a little bit there, and we'll get back to him coming up in just a moment. Of course, uh, you know, give Trevor credit. He comes out every twice a week, Wednesday afternoon, or Wednesday morning, rather, and uh, actually, yeah, afternoon, after practice, and then after the game, each Sunday, even after the 14 losses, he comes out and he faces whatever fire there is from the media, and there have been not-so-good performances from time to time, obviously, yesterday, one of those with three interceptions, and the Patriots scored off of each of those interceptions in the game, but he comes out and he's answering the questions and doing the best he can to, to lead this team and, and be the guy out there in front of a lot of things. Obviously, that 
with all the coaching change and, and such earlier in the season. He was a, a huge you know, voice in that, it sounded like, after the fact. So, you know, it's not anything that a rookie quarterback should have to go through. Is it fair? No, but he's going through it. And I thought yesterday he stood up there again after a 40-point defeat and uh, gave it uh, the best he could in front of the media yesterday. Pete Prisco, back with us now. Are you with us, Pete? Yeah, I'm here. Hey, um, man. I, JP, he was the only one who met the media, right? That's correct. Yeah, I don't – Why? Was there any explanation for that? You have veterans on that team. You, you throw him to the wolves? What is that? Yeah, don't know. Um, I, I think it was well, – obviously, let's, so the, the state of affairs these days, the locker room's not open. It hasn't been open all season. Um, there was Zoom only yesterday. Not sure who all was in Foxborough or up there for the game or on the Zoom or asking for players, but we were on the postgame show, so – I wasn't really involved in a lot of that, but it, yeah, it, it was a little odd. I mean, usually there's two or three players, right, in yeah, addition and, to him? Yeah, especially if the defense gives up a 50-burger, right? You want to hear from him a little bit, but it just didn't, it didn't happen. Yeah, I don't, I, don't like, I don't like that. I don't, I don't like that. That's bad luck. I mean, and look, I understand COVID is, is a, a problem right now, but even if you're virtual, you got to put guys, make them available. Make them available. And I think there's a method to the madness sometimes in not making guys available. Um, and so, look, it, COVID is, is something that's out there. Uh, but, again, the way this thing is playing out, you got to make those guys available. I'm sorry. You know, put the leaders on. you got to face the music. Sure. And whether it's Josh Allen or Miles Jack or whoever, then, again, maybe Miles Jack was driving home from New England and he had to get an early head start on his trip. Well, no, that was the story this afternoon. Daryl Bevel uh, explained that after last week when he tested positive and the team was up there, he had to get in a rental car basically with an athletic trainer and drive all the way back from New York to Jacksonville last week uh, because it was positive. So, well, but couldn't he have? They were going to send a plane or something. Couldn't they have done that? Or the the report I saw was that it was going to be another two or three days to get it up. Something was going on with it. I don't know what's the deal with that, but uh, they just hopped in the car and came on. Hey, what is that? Twelve hours? Eleven hours? I've never driven to New York, but yeah, it's still. I mean, it's not pleasant. But uh, I'll be honest with you, the way he played and some of those defensive players played on Sunday, they should have made them all drive home from New England. Wow. I mean, wow. I mean, that was bad. Well, it was a rough that day at the office. Bad. I'll say that. Yes. Yeah. And and how many guys who are starters on that defense weren't there, JP? Shaq Griffin. Yep. He was out. Who else? Uh, we're who else? going through it. We're going through it. Shaq Griffin was not there. Um, Dwayne uh, Smoot. Yeah, Smoot was out. That was a late scratch with COVID-19. Um, safety, Rayshon Jenkins had the fractured ankle. Not but that's a long time ago. He hasn't played in a couple weeks, so that's uh, right. It's a couple, that, isn't it? Two weeks. This one week. Last week. Was that last week? He fr- I yeah. thought it was two weeks ago. He fractured. That was last week because Cisco came in and played. Uh, that's right. That's right. right. That's yeah. right. It was last week. Um, um, Wingard. Wingard. Wingard was out. So that's three. Oh, let's see the rest of the list here. Those are the three. That's those a, are the three. That's it. But that that those three should mean fifty points. Mm. Mm. Now there was a defensive touchdown. Yeah, it, still fifty. 
And it, it, they didn't really slow them down all day long. It was a methodical march down the field. Each time the Patriots had the football, they were getting, you know, a, a chunk of yards every time. It wasn't like big explosive plays for the Patriots, just driving down the field. They uh, scored on eight of ten possessions. They knelt down at the end of the game and punted one time. That was it. So I don't care who's yeah, on the they field. They blocked the edge. The edge was terrible. They couldn't, you know, the, they, they ran wide a bunch of times, and they didn't do a good job with that, the Jaguars. And mm. and then uh, their zone coverage. Every time he just had somebody open, he dink and dunk it. And there was not a lot of – there was almost no pressure. And when they did it, was it, was it uh, Ward z- who got the pressure the one time and had the face mask? I don't, yeah, well, yeah, he hit him in the uh, – apparently hit him up above the head. They had him on the sack, Jihad Ward. And that was a penalty. Overturned the whole thing. And I don't think I officially had a quarterback hit all day. They had zero quarterback hits in the in the stat book. Zero. Yeah, they they don't get any pressure. It, it's just it's not a good pass rush team. And if you can't, he's going to stand back there. I mean, Mac Jones had all day. There was one play where he just stood back there and stood back there and stood back there. It was a, it was just a bad defensive performance all the way around. And you wonder, um, you know, this is supposed to be a group that. They spent money on that side of the ball. They spent a lot of are money. Much, are they any better? No. A little bit better. Are they're they? are better than they were last year. Last year was uh, all-time worse, but they are better. But they don't rush the passer at all. And and look, think about the, the the amount of draft picks and money they've used on that side of the – on the pass rush. I mean, Josh Allen's top ten. Jason, he—I mean, he's not there, but he was—he's a top for the year. He's a top twenty-five guy. Um, they spent on Ward in free agency. Not a lot of money, but they brought him in there. They don't rush the passer. The best pass rusher is Smooth. Right, right. He's been the most consistent. I'll say that. And he should be a third road. To, he should be a third guy. Mm-hmm. That's what he should be. Mm-hmm. And, and so that tells you what they do. I don't know. I just—it's just not. It's a team that doesn't have talent. Now, whether – and we can blame COVID and injuries and everything else, but there was only an X amount of guys who weren't on that defense yesterday. And in the front seven, there was nobody of note who was who – was, well, smooth, but that's it. Smooth. Smooth. Yeah. I mean, off- offensively, they, they're bad all year. We know that, but in the line is the, – the line had new guys – the line actually played okay yesterday at times. I thought I thought Walker Little played pretty well at left tackle. Yeah, he got the full game. So, yeah, everybody. He was, was one kinda... of their better passers. He was good in pass protection. Yeah, I think he was. I think he was solid. Um, you know, Norwell had his moments where he wasn't good. Juwan Taylor was better in pass protection than he's been. But boy, his run blocking is bad. He doesn't hold his blocks. And his man comes off and makes tackles in a lot of plays. The the right guard. I thought when they put uh, 77 in in the game for his little spurts, he did some decent things. And there's a big, massive man now. Uh, he's a big man. And then Nor- I mean, then Shatley's always going to fight you. Yes. He's going to fight you all the time. Absolutely. And and he does. And, and so now you look going forward. What if Little can play left tackle like he did yesterday? Is, that enough, is that enough of a sample size? I mean, it's going to have to be, right, if you're going to make a decision on it. Well, I mean, your decision would be if you think he can play left tackle, then you get rid of Cam Robinson. Then you're saving what, fifteen million dollars next year. Or, or you play Robinson somewhere else on the right side, maybe. Because I, I just, they got to do something up front. They got to get nastier. Or, or, or Pete, you yeah. draft Evan Neal 
and then put Walker Little somewhere else too. Well, where's Walker Little play? When he went to the right side, he had problems over there. He wasn't comfortable. All right. Well, then put Neil on the but right. Neil side. could play the right. Neil could play right tackle. He has right. the look of a right tackle. Right. But do you draft it? You know, you draft a right tackle number one overall. That's, that's the question. That's a great one. Uh, you know, that, that's going to be one we have a few months to discuss and and break down, of course. But uh, the way uh, Hutchinson played the other night, ew, I don't know. Yeah, but he got, and I haven't watched the tape, but he got chipped a little bit, and he's, you know, he. The problem with being the first team that picks first this year is there's no quarterback that people no. want to go get. <laughs> you're kind you of got your quarterback last year, and this year you'd like to have somebody want to go get a quarterback, you're, and there's nobody to go get. You're picking first, that's for sure. Um, so we've got plenty ahead, Pete. We've got a breakdown. There's some been reported names that have apparently talked to Jaguars leadership and the coaching search. We'll um, get your thoughts on some of that coming up, all the social yeah, media I stuff. Get into, I want to get into the fan base and their clown emoji. Okay. We can do that when we come back. Because I know you have some thoughts about that. I do. And we will hear those when we return. Tony Baselli doing the second hour. Your social questions in the second hour as well. A lot to get to today. After a 50-10 to 10 Jaguars loss to the New England Patriots, we're off and running as Jaguars Happy Hour presented by Jet Home Loans on the Jaguars Digital Network. Jacksonville Sports Talk for Jacksonville sports fans. 1010XL, home of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on a Monday afternoon. J.P. Shadrick, Pete Prisco, Tony Baselli coming up in the second hour today after a Jaguars loss in New England. 50-10, to 10, the final score. The second, or actually tied for the third worst loss by margin of defeat in Jaguars history. Third time in Jags history they've allowed 50 points or more in a football game. Two of those now to New England. Well, um, there's a lot going on, Pete, obviously, on social media these days. There was a report uh, last week that Trent Baalke would be back as general manager. Since then, many Jaguars supporters on social media have changed their photos. And uh, you brought it up a moment ago, the clown emoji has really kind of taken over Jaguars' Twitter these days, unfortunately. Yeah, and, and I'm going to say, I, look, as far as Balky, I agree with those in the clown emoji. I think they need new blood in there. I think they need to change it all over, and, and I'm not so sure that they won't. My gut on this is, yeah, I heard that Chad liked Trent Balky, but my gut is that maybe they're going to use him throughout the process as somebody who can ask football questions in the interviews. If Trent Baalke isn't there, who's asking those questions of the coaching candidates? There's nobody there. Nobody. You know, it's maybe Tony Khan, Shad Khan, and that's and then Trent. That's it. Mark Lamping's on the business side. He's not going to ask football questions. He might be in there, but he's not going to ask those kind of questions that need to be asked. So I think it makes sense to keep him around for that. But it doesn't make sense to keep him around after that. Um, I, I think you need new blood there. And, and you keep hearing, you talk to people around the league, you keep hearing that there's guys that are turned off by the idea that Trent Baalke will be a permanent GM, which is why I think the fans are angry about it. And they have a right to be angry. They want a clean slate. You know, somebody said to me the other day, if they had hired the coach and then said that Baalke was coming back to work with them, there wouldn't be as much uproar. But now look at the uproar. It's crazy. How much of because that, Pete, how much... They, 
how much of that? Back. How much of that, Pete, is you know, articles, stories coming out, uh, following up those early reports that candidates are are um, not happy with the way the things have gone here, well, or is it just, is that what it just is? The articles and stuff is that's been going. People say that all the time around the league. And look, I don't know Trent very well. I'll be honest with you, um, but his reputation kind of precedes him, and that's not a good thing. So uh, I think. I think they need fresh new blood in there. So I agree with the fans. What I don't agree with is the clown emoji. I mean, you got an owner who came in there, and granted, from a football standpoint, he's made a lot of bad decisions. So from that standpoint, I get it. You're angry with him. But that man is far from a clown. And and look what he's done. He's, he, he's going to rebuild that stadium. He's going to help redevelop downtown. He's going to build that practice facility. They're not moving to London. Right. Um, so calling him a clown is ridiculous. Calling his football decisions clownish is not. Because they made a lot of bad football decisions. And a lot of decisions I wouldn't have made. I'll be honest with you. So I understand where the clown-ish comes from. But he is far from a clown. The guy's made billions he's a brilliant his life story is a brilliant story and what he's done for that city and what he will continue to do for that city people should respect that by the same token you should be able to say his football decisions are clownish because they are and i don't like a lot of them i haven't liked a lot of them but doesn't make him a clown and that's why i think the emoji is kind of off the rails a little bit um, I understand the passion. It's a good sign. A lot of passion still there in that city. I, I've contended oh, yeah. all along that there's a ton of it. Sure. I firmly believe that. And you know that. I've said that in national shows for years. I've defended the fan base. But this one, to me, is a little over the top in terms of the man. Uh, it's probably accurate in terms of the football decisions. Well, the, yeah, the, the way things have gone on the field, uh, you, you can't hide from that record and, and the way things have gone between the white lines. That's that's what it is. That's, that's what records are for. And it's a disaster. It hasn't it's gone. a disaster any way you, should, no. any way you yeah. look at it. I mean, the, the, his tenure as the owner from a football on the field standpoint has been awful. It's been awful. So I understand the venom. I understand the anger. I just think it's misdirected when you put a uh, make a clown emoji of his face. I just don't think that's what he is. I think the football side of it, very clownish, very laughable. Shouldn't be. It shouldn't be this way. And so I get the fans are mad, but it's a little over the top for me when you put him in in that and make that emoji about him without saying it. You know, it's a football thing. I, I think you know they're football decisions. I somebody sent out the thing yesterday about where they've drafted in the first round in the last decade. Oh, yeah. What do they have to show for that? Not not much. Not much. Almost nothing. Nope. Almost nothing. Mm -mm. Trevor Lawrence, Josh Allen, who hasn't done a thing in four weeks. Chase on. I mean, Chase on. He's out of the top ten, but, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, but he's a first rounder. Yep, yep. I mean, look at their first round. ETN, now he got hurt, but he's nothing. I mean, David Bryan, look at look at their – Juwan Taylor, he's been one of the worst offensive linemen they have. He's a second-rounder, but yeah. Yeah, that's right. He's a second-rounder. But you know what I mean. I mean, okay, let, let me, let's go through. Where are the first-rounders? 
They're elsewhere or out of football in the last Correct. Decade. You got Jalen Ramsey. Yep. Leonard Fournette. I mean, Fournette. Bad pick when they made it. Yep. Uh, Dante Fowler. Bad pick. Uh, let's go back here, uh, shall we? Uh, C.J. Henderson. Yeah, let's go through it. Go through all the – go back from top, from the last year all the way down for the last decade. Twenty tw- This is 2021, Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne. Okay, yeah. the verdict – I'll be honest with you. The verdict on Trevor Lawrence right now, the book on him is not good right now. So you can – that pick's being criticized all over the place. So I, I loved it. I still think he's going to be good. I'm in the, I, I'm, But I'm <clears throat> hearing rumblings about it. So Travis Etienne was a bad pick. Hasn't played yet. Bad pick. Hasn't played yet. Or not bad pick. Hasn't played yet. But or not, he's a running back. Bad pick. But he hasn't played yet. But he hasn't played yet. Twenty twenty. C.J. Henderson and Caleb Unchazon. Oh, we lost Pete again. We'll uh, get back with uh, Pete coming up in just a couple of minutes. Yes, C.J. Henderson uh, gone was traded off. Of course, Caleb Unchazon has had. Uh, limited results in his time at uh, outside linebacker for the Jaguars. 2019, of course, Josh Allen has a Pro Bowl in his resume. Uh, Taven Bryan, 2018. Leonard Fournette, 2017, is, of course, now with Tampa Bay after he was cut by the Jaguars. Uh, Ramsey, Dante Fowler, Blake Bortles, Luke Jokel. That's 2013 and beyond. Uh, this is Jaguars Happy Hour. J.P. Shadrick, Pete Prisco, uh, Tony Baselli coming up in the second hour of the program tonight. Uh, Pete, are you back with us now? Nope, Pete is gone. We'll get uh, Pete coming up. Yeah, so you could go through this, obviously, and that's but where it's, it begins. it's a disaster. It's a disaster. There's no other way to label it. And it's not just this past regime. It's the one before that and the one before that. They've blown – so many picks that there's there's no there's no talent to build around. There's no guy there's no, or guy. There's no core that's jaguar. No core get jaguar player in locker room. That, that's where it comes from. It's first round guys. You got to keep those guys around. They haven't done that. No, and for whatever reason, and and so look, it's a it's a and now they have a number. They're probably going to have the first overall pick again. And now it's a year when you don't have value at that pick because mm. there's no quarterback people want to go get. And so who are you taking? You're taking a pass rusher, Hutchinson, Thibodeau, or Evan Neal. Or you trade down, but who's going to want to trade up when you can't, you know, there's no no quarterback. They're in no man's land. This is not a good year to have the first overall pick. And it's not, I mean, this is not a fix it tomorrow, one change, and boom, all the emojis are gone and things fixed. This is going to take a while, Pete. I thought going into this next year that they would be competitive for a playoff spot. I thought that when they were drafting, I thought when they had money to spend in free agency and I don't see it being close to that next year, not close to it. Mm. I don't care who the coach is. I don't, I don't care if you bought a combo Belichick and, uh, and uh, Nick Saban, who are the two arguably the best college coach and best NFL coach of all time. If you combine them, you're still only winning six games, seven games next year, no matter what you do. They have no speed. Somebody re- sent out a tweet I sent out in August today. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> where I said, what? can't run, can't run, can't run, slow, can't run, not that fast, dot, 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 and basically said that the team was too slow. 
And that is played out right. I mean, even even if Chark was on the field, it's played out to a T. They can't run. They don't run. They don't scare anybody. Right. Treadwell's a fourth receiver. He's their best receiver. He should be the fourth receiver. Yeah, he wasn't I mean, on the he wasn't where, on the team middle of the season. Their, yeah, where are their weapons? They don't have them. And and then okay, New England doesn't have any weapons either. The kid that scored two touchdowns yesterday was I mean what? They, I bet when he scored, he went. Who is he? Yeah, practice squad guy. They brought him up. Well, you know what they do. They know how to scheme things open. They know how to get guys open. Their offensive line's good. They run the ball, sets things up, make it easier on on the rookie quarterback. I mean, you, okay, I'm going to go through his two touchdowns. You ready? The first one, he was lined up on the left because I watched the tape today. He's lined up on the left. Tyson Campbell's in man coverage. And the tight end, Henry's in the slot next to him, and they picked him. And he got caught in the pick, and it was wide open. Matt, Mac Jones went to the right and threw an easy touchdown to the back of the end zone. Mm-hmm. Easy. The next one, Tyson Campbell's on him in man coverage. They fake the bubble screen to the left. Tyson Campbell comes running up. Wide open. Easy throw. They made it easy on the quarterback. When you watch the Jaguars offense, they make it hard on the quarterback. And I'm going to give you an example from yesterday's game where the quarterback is at fault too. When he threw the interception, when he was trying to fit it into Tavon Austin on the left side, do you remember that play? Yes, it was a I short do. little pass. Yes. What? Okay. He had, now maybe he's not familiar with him because the guy just got there. Collie Waring, he had him on the next level wide open for what should have been about a 30 yard, 25, 30 yard game. He doesn't throw it. He doesn't even see it. I don't think. You can see it. See him back there? Yeah. Right yeah, there. Yeah. He's got a he he's predetermining that ball's going there instead of going to that guy on the next level. He had warring on you can see it on the that's even that's not even the all twenty two tape. That's the T V tape. You can yeah, see it. Saw him break on the all twenty two tape, you can yep, see yep, it. Yep, saw him break yeah. up there at the top of the screen. Yeah. But, so you you have to you have to hit that shot to the sideline and let him have a chance to turn it up and make a big play out of it. He didn't. He predetermined where he was going. Bad throw. This is just uh, an awful throw because he doesn't see him. It's the last you know, that's, one. Brought Dak down to the one-yard line. Yep, that one. Yeah, he didn't see it. He did not see him. He doesn't. He's looking. To, he doesn't see him come across. It's just a bad throw. That's a bad try and force the ball throw. And, and look, it happens to quarterbacks. It happened to Matt Stafford yesterday. He didn't see a safety and ended up being a pick six. Uh, that's just a bad play right there. But – the ones where he's not taking the shot on the net. Now, there's not a ton of them. Don't get me wrong. But I think he's doing more predetermined. He's going there no matter what than he should be doing. And maybe that's some of the hits he's taken. Maybe that he doesn't trust those guys. Who knows? But that should have been a big play to the tight end, one level up, and then he could have turned it up and made it a big play. So he's he's not playing that well either. I mean, I'll be I'll be blunt about it. I love the kid. I think he's got star potential, but he's not playing that well either. Plenty ahead on Jaguars Happy Hour, a little more defensive talk. And coming up, Tony Baselli in the second hour. We'll have your social media questions. There are many. And of course, this is Jaguars Happy Hour, presented by Jet Home Loans on the Jaguars Digital Network. The station that the Jaguars listen to, 1010XL. Home of the Jacksonville Jaguars. 
My biggest message for them, you know, was, I mean, we had a lot of different guys playing and, uh, you know, guys were getting different opportunities. And, and a lot of these guys have fought really hard their, you know, their careers to be able to get this moment that they had. And um, I wanted them to continue to, to just continue to play, continue to work for one another. Uh, it, you know, it's it's not an easy situation for anybody, but the thing that we that we are playing for is we're all playing for, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars, but also the name on our back. And everything that we do is being evaluated and you have an opportunity to go out. You need to be able to, uh, to put forward your best, uh, your best showing and uh, you need to continue to play and, and give us everything you have. That's interim head coach Daryl Bevel after the game in New England yesterday and welcome back. It's Jaguars happy hour on a Monday afternoon. J.P. Shadrick with Pete Prisco, Tony Baselli coming up in a bit. Your social questions in the second hour. We'll go around the NFL as well. And, you know, Pete, I, I was we interviewed uh, Daryl Bevel, of course, on pregame radio, as we always do, and you know, I said going into the game, I mean, there are tough weeks, and then there's this week. I mean, they had 27 on the reserve COVID-19 list at one point before the game last week, I think Wednesday or Thursday. And to have guys move around like that and, and go, and I mean, everybody's, most teams are having to deal with it, obviously. The Jaguars have not had to do that yet, but it is a, 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 a huge lift to try to get a roster together and a team together and keep playing. They're two and fourteen, now two and about to be two and fifteen if they don't get it done this week. Um it's a it's a huge ask for any head coach, interim head coach, regular head coach, whatever it is. Well it is, and particularly since guys got one foot out the door. I mean you know how that is and anybody who's been around uh, football teams, uh, you know, when you get on the field, you play hard, but the week leading up to it is your final week. You get, it's like the last week of school. You all you want to do is get the test done and get out of there. And I think that's the case when you're in, particularly if you're an interim coach, I mean, you want to, you got, it's hard to do. And when you have all that stuff going on, it's a real challenge. I mean, but, but it doesn't matter if they had been focused and had those guys back, it would have been 37, 10 or whatever it was. I mean, it, it didn't matter. They're undermanned. They don't yeah. have talent. The team lacks talent. It needs help in the worst way. And by the way, I just got some people tweeting back at me today just now after I made that. No, I'm not saying to keep Balky. I'm not defending Balky. I'm not. I, I would change it. I would get rid of him. What I'm saying is the owner is not a clown. His football decisions have been clownish. So that's all I'm saying. So people, they hear, you know, you guys out there in the Twitter world, you hear what you want to hear. You don't listen. <laughs> Listen, did I say that, JP? Did I defend the, the Trent Baalke? Did I defend the organization from a football standpoint? You did not. I'm probably their biggest critic out there. Yeah. I mean, I was the one, you know, calling for the coach to be fired five weeks ago. So, no, I'm not defending the organization. I'm not defending their football decisions. I'm just saying the owner is far from a clown. That's just moronic. And if you put that out there, you're being a moron. He's not a clown. The football decisions are bad and clownish. The the owner is not. Tony this morning on radio said he stabilized the franchise in Jacksonville, and I saw a lot of tweets. What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, the the franchise is here. He's trying to develop around it in downtown. Uh, three teams have moved, by the way, since he bought the team. The Jags aren't going to London. Um, that is a stable franchise in this place, at least in my thought of it. Well, and, the, and they're developing that area downtown and they're building a practice facility and they're eventually going to redo the stadium, which needs to be redone, by the way. Yes. I've said it time and again. 
it needs to be redone. So it's old, it's outdated, it's hot, it's, it needs to be redone. They need to make it like the Dolphin Stadium. Put the covers over the seats, modernize it. That's the same stadium it was. Here. They just upgraded it. And that's what yeah. they're going to do. That's what they need to do. But, again, I understand the fans' frustration. I, I lived there for 30 years. I know. I covered that team from the very beginning. I understand the frustration. And I understand these fans and their frustration because these fans are real fans. I've said it many a time, JP. How many times have I said it? The first round of fans, a lot of those people just wanted to go to the games. Wine just and cheese. Wine and cheese crowd. The wine and cheese crowd. This, this era of fans are real fans. That's why they're angry. I get it. I'd be angry too. But the clown emoji, ridiculous. And I'll say it again. You know, if you want to make a clown emoji for the football decisions, that's fine. But make the man a clown, you don't really believe that. You, you, if you sat down with John Khan as a fan and you talked to him, you wouldn't think he was a clown. Right. He's made bad decisions. There's no sugarcoating it. Right. right. The record speaks for itself. You that's are right. what you are. I say it all the time. You are what you are. And they're bad. It's a bad organization from a football standpoint. It's what it is right now. Hey, well, let's come back. Uh, draft order. We got draft talk, Pete. I know you, you've waited all season to get to it, so we're definitely going to get to it tonight. I didn't wait all season. You guys made me wait all season. I wanted to do it like week five. <laughs> right. We made you wait. <laughs> well, now we're going to get what we've been, uh, I guess, waiting for. Great. Um, veterans, choose VA for the benefits you've earned. Visit choose.va.gov. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Welcome back. Jaguars Happy Hour, Monday afternoon. It's 2022. It's January 3rd. I'm J.P. Shadrick. Pete Prisco, CBS Sports Senior Writer with us. Tony Baselli coming up in a bit. Your social media questions. There are many. And we'll go around the NFL. That's all coming up. We're going to keep it real, too, Pete. We haven't gotten there yet tonight. You know, it's, days like today, you almost miss the calls we used to take. Oh, uh, you know, I, the way it's going right now, yeah, I, it would be something. I tell you what, though, we be. did the, we do the post game calls, and you just sometimes never know what's going to come out of people's mouths. Yeah, well, that's why you have a delay. That's why you have a delay. <laughs> I guess, <laughs> or a really good screener. <laughs> Uh, but it is, it's, you know, 40 point losses will do that to folks sometime. So, um, obviously. So, hey, but part of that, the Jaguars are now uh, two and, what, 14, right? 17 games this season. Uh, so, hey, it's, uh, they have an opportunity at least to be number one in the draft order. Here is the draft order as we speak through Sunday of week 17. The Jaguars. Would be number one overall if it ended today. Detroit, two and thirteen. They gave up fifty points to the Seattle Seahawks. They're two thirteen and one, and basically that's it. So those are the only two still vying for the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. A uh, Lions win or a uh, Jaguars loss, and the Jaguars would pick first for the second year in a row. There you have it, Pete. How about the Jets and Giants with two picks each in the top ten as we speak? Yeah, and, uh, yeah, they have value there. But that's what I mean. If the Jets and Giants – well, the Jets wouldn't go up to get a quarterback. But if the Giants were sitting there, they don't want to keep Daniel Jones. If there was a quarterback 
available, they might want to give those picks up to go get one, but they're not. I mean, it feels, yeah, you know, most years though, Pete, like they'll talk the quarterbacks up enough where something will happen in the top 10. Not this year. They're not, they're not talking that group up enough. Wow. I've watched them all. I've studied them all. They're not talking that there's not a sure fire fire guy to go up and get. There just isn't. So it's, Mm. you know, Kenny Pickett from Pitt would be one of the guys, but I don't think he's worth the first overall pick. Matt Corral, uh, why he ever played in that game the other day, I don't know, but uh, he got hurt. I don't. What was the extent of that injury? I, I didn't was, see uh, it. Yeah, I, I turned it off early, so I didn't. They even said see the X rays were okay. Okay, but um, you know Willis, uh, you know at Liberty, eh, up and down. Carson yeah. Strong looks good, but doesn't move that well and has a bad knee. I mean, it's just not a number one quarterback in this class. Sam Howell, yeah, he's baby baby version of uh, Baker Mayfield. If that's you, on Baker Mayfield went first overall, but. I just don't think it's going to work out for Jacksonville in that scenario. So what's going to happen? You're basically going to be stuck there. And if you're stuck there, what do you take? Best player. What if the best player is a wide receiver? If the best player is a wide receiver? Well, you need a wide receiver. And if that's the best player on your board, then... I guess, well, who's the this, last wide receiver to go first overall? Oh, Wasn't it Keyshawn? Keyshawn Johnson. It's <laughs> a long time ago. God. Yeah. He better be good. He better be that good, at least. And that and that was the year the Jaguars had the second overall pick, and they uh, took uh, Kevin Hardy. Wow. If I'm not mistaken, that's the same year. So um, I just think it comes down for the Jacksonville's going to come down to do you take Hutchinson? Do you take Thibodeau? Or do you take Evan Neal. That's where I think you're at in the draft process. Which one do you take? I'm more convinced now more than ever. And Vaselli has always said this. If you're good on the offensive line, your team's going to be good. Provided you have a quarterback. I mean, if you watched Georgia play the other day in the national, in the semifinals or Alabama, they controlled the line of scrimmage, both of them. Mm-hmm. Dominated the line of scrimmage, mm-hmm. and you watch the you know the like the the good teams usually dominate the line of scrimmage. Now the NFL is a little different because there's so much more value in the quarterback position than there is even in the college game. But for example, Bucks last year they won because they dominated the line of scrimmage. There are exceptions to the rule, and I'll give you one: Green Bay, because Green Bay is playing with four backups this year right now. But, but the they overcome it because he's, he's so special. Yeah. Hey, special. Yeah. Yeah. So if you have the quarterback, which I think Jacksonville has, then why not build it around him? Now, there is something to be said for the other side of that. The Bengals are going to the playoffs. <laughs> yes, they are. And their offensive line isn't that good. But they drafted Chase, and all of a sudden they have three explosive receivers or three good receivers. And they just push the pedal to the put the pedal to the metal and go. And so there's two different ways to think of it. Think about that. Remember the big uproar about not taking Panay Sewell and taking Jamar Chase? Yes. Would the Bengals be the division winners if they picked Panay Sewell over Jamar Chase? So good, probably, I say no. Probably not. I mean, because no. you wouldn't have Chase running around like a deer like he was yesterday. See, the quarterback. I protect them guy corner. And that was the big four. 
But yeah. it's so wide open now; it's become the Big Five. You need a wide receiver. You need you gotta, a big play wide. Receiver. You got to keep up with people. Like you, you they, they're going to score. You might as well go score some points too. But here's the other side of that: you look around the league, all the good teams. Where are the first in a lot of the situations, like Kansas City? Where's their first round t- wide receiver? They don't have one. Yeah, that's right. Where that's does right. Buffalo's first round wide receiver? Mm. Yeah, they don't have one. No. You're right. Right. Whereas Cincinnati has one. Yep. Minnesota has one, but they're not a playoffs. I'm doing to the good teams. Does Tennessee have a one? Is A.J. Brown, well, Julio, but he hasn't played all year. Right. He's been hurt. He's been hurt. I mean, I just just think when you look at – you can get too caught up in in drafting. I think if you're good on the line and you have a good quarterback, your offense is going to be good. If you have a great quarterback and your offensive line isn't good – then he can compensate for it. Green Bay, he doesn't have a first-round receiver, does he? No, he doesn't. No, no Devontae was a second-rounder. Second yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay, the Rams. Cooper, well, Beckham's on the team now, but before yeah. the they didn't have a first. They had Cooper Cup wasn't a first-round pick. That's right. Woods wasn't a first-round pick. They were not first-round picks. Mm. So, but the game has evolved even in the last couple of years where if you get that guy, like Chase and Jefferson changed – the dynamic of the game for those teams. They just do. But I still think you get, if you can get that, there's not one of those guys in this draft. Let's be honest about it. As good as Williams is for Alabama, he isn't Chase or Jefferson. He could be good. I don't think he's He's going to be really good. Yeah, He's the number one receiver in the draft. I agree with that. Yeah. He's the fastest. He's got the the most skins in the world. I mean, Alave and Wilson opt out, and the other kid goes for three over three hundred. <laughs> he's the guy. Jackson Smith and Jigba was the guy all year because he's the guy in the and slot, then, and, and those other guys are taking up that, coverage. Marvin Harrison had three touchdowns. Yes, he did. Absolutely. So, I, I just think I just think this is a bad year to have the first overall pick. Don't scout Hutchinson based on one game. I hate when people do that. It's just not a good thing to do. I don't know. I just saw the left tackle laying on top of him a couple times. You know, the left tackle's not bad at Georgia, though. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't go by one game. Yeah, that's what it is, though. Um, we'll see. It's uh, only beginning. You got to see what you know. Who's making the decisions? All that. It's still we got a week in regular season, and then all the stuff going on. You know, we I haven't mean, even really talked about the possibilities here. Right. Who's the coaches? I mean, there's, you know, so there's been all these names reported. I'm in agreement with Tony. I think they need a coach with experience. NFL experience as a head coach. Correct. They need to clean up the mess. They need to clean up the culture. They need to clean up the feeling in the building. And I'm not in that building. You people, but I know people that are in that building and I've talked to people in the building. It's just dour. It's sad. It's negative. They need, I'm not saying you know, up with people, kind of, well, everybody, good morning, good morning, sunshine, because that's not football. It just isn't. This is not, right. But you got to show respect to the people in the building and and treat everybody's job. Here's something you learned a long time ago. A lot of football coaches think their job, and I used to have arguments with guys, my job is more important than your job. No, it isn't. My job is just as important to me as your job is to you, period. Respect what I do, I'll respect what you do. You're, you make more money, you have more visibility, you have more notoriety, I get it. 
But your job isn't any important to you, just like your job isn't any more important to you in, in terms of being a head coach than the marketing guy in the Jaguars building or the person that's serving the food in the cafeteria or the trainer. So treat them all with respect. That's all you and, – and making people uptight when they go to work is not a way to function. It just isn't. And that's the way it was the entire year. So why would you possibly keep any part of what that's been? Get rid of it. Get it all. Start anew. Bring in, bring a coach in there with experience who changes the culture. Doesn't make it the miserable place that it's been because it's been miserable. We've seen the names that, uh, at least today, Mark Long had a report of Todd Bowles was supposed to speak with Jaguars leadership today, Doug Peterson and Jim Caldwell, the other two names last week. What do you make of those? I think Jim Caldwell would be a great hire. A good man who would not bring a negativity to the building, who has experience and success, by the way, with the yeah. Detroit Lions yeah. as a head coach and the Colts. Uh, and and he's great with quarterbacks. He's developed quarterbacks. He's been good calling plays in the past. Made Joe Flacco a Super Bowl w winner. So I think he'd be fantastic. The concern is his age, but 66 isn't old anymore. It just isn't. We see coaches in their 70s. Look at Nick, what was Nick Saban, 70? Yeah. Bill, Bel Bill Belichick's pushing 70 or yeah. not? Is 70 Pete Carroll? Pete Carroll, It's right. not Bruce Arians? So I think Caldwell will be great. I think Doug Peterson's intriguing uh, from the, the group of guys who've been ex to coaches. Uh, but I think they need to go in that direction. If you bring a young guy in, I mean, the worst case scenario in that for me, it, it, this is, is if Balky stays and you bring in a young guy that will bow down to him. That's the worst. That, that, then it's the same old, same old again. You don't want that. So there you have it, uh, an early look at some of the candidates uh, reported. Uh, we've got plenty of time to discuss that over the next week, two weeks, three weeks. So I wonder how quick this would happen, though, Pete. I, I just don't get a feeling it's going to be like Monday after the season. Like, it's going to be a little while. I mean, I saw, there was a report the other day, and I don't know where it came from, that Trent was pushing Bill O'Brien. Yeah, I saw that, too. Now, look, I, I like I'm one of the few people that actually like Bill O'Brien. I like Bill O'Brien. I think he's got a curmudgeonly side to him, but I like him. I would Bill O'Brien would be a great offensive coordinator. I think Bill, if you could get Bill O'Brien to be your offensive coordinator, he'd be fantastic. So we'll uh, continue that thought when we come back. The second hour of Jaguars Happy Hour coming up. We'll hear from Tony Vaselli. We'll keep it real. We haven't done that enough yet. We'll go to social media and much more. It's Jaguars Happy Hour, presented by Jet Home Loans on the Jaguars Digital Network. There was a conversation there in the fourth quarter, um, just just about you know, uh, you know if we wanted to put, uh, pull him out and give uh, CJ an opportunity, but you know really some of these experiences that he's having are, are experiences that we think it, that uh, he needs to go through, you know just to, just to continue to get better. 
and uh, you know we, we were able to put a drive there together and um, you know we ended up scoring a touchdown so you know um, it, it ended up working out in our favor it was important that you know obviously that we were that we protect them and do those things in that drive but uh, uh, you know I thought it worked out okay. That's interim head coach Daryl Bevel after the game yesterday in Foxborough and asked if he thought about benching Trevor Lawrence in the game and putting in C.J. Beathard. It's the second hour of Jaguars Happy Hour. J.P. Shadrick, Pete Prisco are recapping the Jaguars' loss to the New England Patriots. 50-10 to the final score. The Patriots scored on 8 of 10 possessions, including the first five possessions with touchdowns. They were a perfect 6 of 6 in the red zone yesterday. The Jags' offense couldn't match much of anything all day. They had an early field goal and then the late touchdown that uh, Bevel just mentioned there. Trevor Lawrence threw three more interceptions, had that late touchdown to uh, Dario Gunbowali on a screenplay. Tied for the third largest margin of defeat in Jaguars history, and it's the third time the Jags have allowed 50 or more points in a game all time, two of those now to the Patriots. Now one game to go. It's the first Week 18 in NFL history coming up. And the Jaguars host the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts have to win to go to the playoffs. Who will be available coming off the reserve COVID-19 list will be some questions. There were no official transactions today in that regard. Jags fans are restless and relentless. Pete Prisco back with us now. I think that last part's JP, accurate. JP, by the way, one of those games was a 50-10 to tenor that I was at um, when Baselli played in, in the Metrodome. Back in the day, Jonathan Quinn started at quarterback for the Jaguars. Oh, jeez! Just abused on a month. I think it was a month. It was a Monday night game. Rough. They got abused. Ninety-eight, maybe. Yep, that's right. Because Fred Taylor brought it up. Uh, we, I brought it up in post game yesterday. He's like, "Thanks for bringing up the Minnesota game." <laughs> what it is? They were a playoff team. That's the amazing thing about it was the Jaguars were a playoff yeah. team that year. That's right. And just got they went up there, and it was loud and nasty and gross, and they just got whacked. And Jonathan Quinn was awful, just bad. And that was a good that was a good Vikings team too. Wasn't yeah. was that that was that the, was that Randy was that Moss and one? Was that Randy Moss and um, Culpepper yeah. and those was guys? The, wait, was that the was that the fifteen and one team? Nineteen ninety eight Vikings, I think it was. They won. They went to the. Super Bowl, didn't That's it? right. No, you're right. Yeah, they won the division, went to the Super Bowl, the whole deal. Yeah. Yeah, go. it was uh, 50 to 10, and Jonathan Quinn got it. He was so bad. No, they lost. So they, remember, they lost the conference championship game on that's the overtime right, the, field goal. To the Falcons. That's right. That's the, Fal- the Falcons went to the That's chip. right. That's the one. Yeah, they went to, Jonathan Quinn was 12 of 27 for 88 yards and two, <laughs> touch, two interceptions in that game. Oh, no. He was awful. His passer rating was thirty four point two. Oh no! I mean, that's throwing that's throwing the Jimmy and Keenan. To, I don't. Yeah, Keenan, Jimmy, in that game, and they didn't they didn't do anything. Fred was on that team. Think about that. Oof. Now, the most points the Jags allowed in the game was fifty one. That was in twenty fifteen at New England, and that was the day that the Patriots did not punt. They scored on every possession except the kneel down at the end of the game. So that's number one. Look, those games were all embarrassing. There's nothing like the 95 game in Detroit. 44 nothing. You could do a a 30 for 30 on that game because nobody will believe me. And Tony knows they took a knee. 
in the third quarter, they were taking a knee. Could you imagine if that happened now? Oh, no, I can't. I cannot. I cannot imagine that. Speaking of taking a knee, I think Tony's trying to join us right now. Oh, really? (laughs) What? Tony Tony Baselli is with us in the second hour of Jaguars Happy Hour. Welcome into the program. Just the right time, Tony, because we were talking about the last one of the other the last fifty to ten game you were a part of. (laughs) No, I wasn't. That was forty-four nothing. No, no, fifty to ten at Minnesota. You were on that team. I forgot about that. That was a. Arse whipping. <laughs> um, 40, yeah. 44 nothing is still – because we talk about embarrassing games in franchise history, the 50-10 to 10 with Jonathan Quinn, you get a little bit of a pass because of the quarterback. Well, let's, let's remember who was, in, who, who was not in that game. No Brunel, no uh, uh, whoever the backup was. Because um, uh, Quinn uh, – Jonathan Quinn was the third string. No Fred Taylor. No, Fred was in no. that game. He started. Okay, Fred played. No Leon Searcy. I'm sorry. No Leon Searcy. We had like a bunch of starters. Like, no, Leon started that game too. No, mm. he did not. I know him for a fact he did not. I'm reading the starters right here. Quinn, Fred Taylor, Zach Crockett, Jimmy Smith, Keenan McCardell, Pete Mitchell, you, Ben Coleman, Quinton New Year, DeMarco, and Searcy. I guarantee you, Searcy didn't start. Mm. I, I, don't, oh. I think you're wrong, Baselli. Okay, whatever. It doesn't matter. We got embarrassed. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> but it's still, that's embarrassing. Yesterday was embarrassing. Nothing will ever top 44 nothing in the knee I, in the third quarter. I disagree. I think yesterday was one of the most embarrassing, and let me tell you why. I think it's worse than the 50 to 10. Um, because the 50 to 10, I mean, the Vikings were probably the best team in football that year. You know, I don't think there's – I mean, now they lost – they played their worst game. They're 15-1 and won the regular season. But, but you were a playoff team that year. You were a playoff team that year. With our third-string quarterback. Let me know how many third-string quarterbacks win in the NFL against a really good team. You're how right. How the Vikings do last night? Yeah, but your defense – wasn't your defense pretty good that year? And they, they got get, No, they, no. That was the year they weren't very good. They oh, that's right. Next points. year they were good. The next year they were good. That's yeah, right. they gave up all kinds of points. Um, and I, listen, we were bad. I'm not man, the defense. My point yesterday was like really bad from this standpoint. Is you you were playing a rookie quarterback, a rookie quarterback in a team that's not loaded with offensive weapons, and a team that's not scoring a bunch of points. And you gave up 50. And really, it should have been 52 if they don't miss two field goal, extra points. And that yeah, it w- bothers me more than anything, Pete. And you really literally, outside of the very end when it's garbage time, never threatened to score. Not even close. And, and so that that's why yesterday it was like the whole – like just how the game went. Now, the 50 to 10 was embarrassing. It was probably my worst game as a pro. I mean, it was awful. Yeah, it was because Randall got you a couple times in that game. Yeah, no, it was. I played. I played poorly. It's one of the most frustrating things of, uh, of my career because, and I've said this before, I allowed the third string quarterback being in there and us being beat up it, uh, impact the game for me. Hmm. 
Like it bothered me. And that, but, that's that's. Yeah, 15 to 10, you're right. That's probably more embarrassing than 15 to 10 for you because of the third string quarterback. 44 nothing ranks up there, though. They took a knee in the third quarter, Tony. Yeah, but I, I played well that game, so that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> there he is. There it is. Ding, ding, no. ding. There it is. No, no I, I said that half joking. That was emb- <laughs> the, 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 No, the embarrassing thing for that game was what you said, Pete, is sitting on the sideline. Like, the embarrassing thing for me during the Vikings game is we couldn't do anything offensively or defensively, and we just didn't play well. And we were a better team than we played. Like, the Vikings should have beat us pretty bad. They should have probably beat us by two touchdowns. Like, it should have been 35-21, that type of game. And if I would argue if Brunel was playing, it would have been probably a one-touchdown game. Um, it was one of those things that got away from us early. That being said, the 44 – Nothing. I was a rookie. We were an expansion team. That's why it was not as embarrassing. It was embarrassing because they were taking a knee when the game was still like in the middle of it. But at least people wouldn't people wouldn't believe that now if you told them that. I've told people that, and they go, "There's no way that's true." And I go, "It is true." The only only time I remember that was like a college game. Franchoni was at A and M, and they were getting smoked by Oklahoma, and OU started taking knees like in the third quarter. That's the only time I remember anything like that. But certainly not in the NFL. Like, come on. No, it was it, it was. It was thirty-seven it was nothing in the third. It was thirty-seven nothing in the third quarter, and then they scored. Close. And Jack and 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 the Detroit scored a late touchdown to make it forty-four nothing. But it was like they were felt so sorry for. Her. It was so <laughs> bad. Wow. I wanted. I, wanted I wish they just kept on scoring. It would have been better if they kept on scoring. That's the most. The most embarrassing thing is that that's one of the most embarrassing. Laws. The the Monday night loss. In Tennessee was kind of embarrassing that one year too, or Sunday. What was that game? And night game. Remember that one? That was kind of embarrassing. In '99. Uh, no, that was in '99. That was 2000. Early in 2000. Is that what it was? I th- yeah. It was, I mean, we got beat. Like, we got beat by two touchdowns. It wasn't embarrassing. What was the and score? Gave, late '99. There was a '99 is the, is the year they beat us the second time, the day after Christmas, and they beat. It was kind of close going in, you know, at halftime. Brunel got a concussion, and it was a boat race. Forty-one fourteen. That's right. Forty-one fourteen. It was a boat race from the second half of the second quarter to the end of the game. Yeah, forty-one fourteen. That was kind of that was was embarrassing because that was the year we had the number one defense in the NFL. Right. They couldn't cover the tight end. Right. They couldn't tackle. They couldn't tackle Eddie George or um, the quarterback. uh, Steve McNair. Uh, McNair. Steve McNair. They couldn't. They yeah. couldn't tackle McNair. It was kind of. It was kind of a precursor to the championship game. Oh, God. Yeah, like, it's tor- torture. But yeah, Brutal. that was embarrassing yesterday. And I and like I have been a part of embarrassing games. Like if you play this game long enough, you've been embarrassed. I mean, unfortunately, it's no good. Um, yeah, Did you watch the tape? Have you watched no, the tape? I, I, I had a little bit of an issue I had to deal with. <laughs> I just got done. <laughs> Dealing with you, good. You good. There needs to be a lifestyle change, basically. Okay. But, but you know what, Tony? Every time, every time we go see the doctor, all of us. This, what does he tell us? The same thing. Quit yeah. eating. Quit drinking. <laughs> exercise. Yeah, but when you call, when you call your doctor because you're not, you're having some issues that are non-COVID related, and they say go to the emergency room. You're like, what? I'm like, okay. 
and they start hooking you up to machines and doing tests on you, it's not the most comfortable afternoon no, of my life. No, I've done it before. I did I don't, it. I, I don't did that in California up. that one year. Remember, they did it to me, and they told me they told me that was the year you have all kinds of problems, son. And I'm like, what? Yeah. yeah. So I have to say that's why I didn't get to watch the tape. So, but thank thankfully, I am uh, healthy enough that nothing they ruled out all the serious stuff. And now I just got to go back and do some basic stuff. But all those I, that means you're going to be around this summer for getting into the hall because you did make the finals. We're happy about that. Congratulations! We for you. Yeah, I'm you. disappointed. Fred Taylor didn't make it. Um, again, I, I don't understand that. But I, I really go down, and, and Tony, everybody I talk to and every list I see, if you don't get in this year, <laughs> I don't know if you're getting in, buddy, because everybody says this is your year. Well, we'll see. Let's hope so. Well, we'll see. It looks like it. <laughs> now he's modest. Uh, earlier it was, oh, I played my best game when we got yeah, blown out 44 nothing. <laughs> I, I don't care. Right? We, got, we lost 44 nothing. I played but great I played that great. game. Oh, I didn't I didn't it's all about me. I played my best Close. game. I was a rookie, and I played, I played fine against you – know You know, I was thinking about that 44 nothing game on the way home yesterday because of us getting blown out by the Patriots. You know who I had to block in that 44 nothing game? Let me see. Uh, Luther Ellis? No. You played the other side. Um, God, I'm going to try and remember. Good player. Yeah, it was a really Rainbow good player. Yeah, good player. Who was it? Robert Porsche. Yeah, Porsche. Good player. And you know, you know why? I, like I remember, like, like I was pretty proud of myself because blocking that guy when he knows his pass for a whole half of the game isn't the most fun thing to do in my life. No, but um, the most of the pressure came from the other side because I know because Brian Demarco swung a helmet at me coming off the field because something we wrote about <laughs> Luther Ellis yeah, destroyed him. Luther Ellis had a big day. <laughs> hey Luther guys, Ellis is a rookie. I might have been. Uh, let's take a timeout. We've got plenty ahead. We've got to so come back. The, hold on. Before, what? before we go to timeout, how did the first hour go? What I missed? What, did Pete fire anybody? Did anyone get like kicked out of the state of Florida? I mean, anything I missed? Well, I, I did. Look, I, I went on a little rant and said I would fire Balky. I would. But I think the people in the city of Jacksonville have gone over the top with the clown emoji uh, on Shad Khan. His football decisions have been clownish. You can say that. He is far from a clown especially what he's done for the franchise in that city. I disagree yeah, 100%. Can we, can, yeah. Can we talk about that when we get back? Because I, may, yes. I, I went on – I had a little um, – I, I talked about that this morning on Jeff and Dan show on my breakfast – my Monday morning hit um, uh, with Dan and Jeff. I want to talk about that because um, I, I, I got some thoughts around what has happened over the last week accumulating with the – clown emojis uh, on Twitter. And yep. let's talk about that if we can, JP, when we hey, back. I well, apologize that hey, I missed the first hour. No, it was the best hour we've had in a long, long time. And oh. uh, we'll come back and keep it real when we come back. We uh, do that. And of course, your social media questions coming up. We'll go around the league. Jaguars Game Day Radio is brought to you by Star Credit Union. Do good, bank better. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on a Monday afternoon. J.P. Shadrick, Pete Prisco, Tony Baselli, and it's time for Keeping It Real, presented by Woodbridge by Robert Mondavi. Open up a winner today. Real ingredients, award-winning wine by Robert Mondavi. Pete, did you get your gift from Tony? 
No, because he didn't get his gift from Woodbridge. Yeah, <laughs> Bob. Why. Bob didn't come through. Bob. Bob. Bob sniffed us all year. We got one more week, and he still hasn't sent us anything. Whew. I don't know. We I gotta... think it's coming. I, I, I think we're. I, I think we're getting the whole thing coming. You think so? I don't know. I just got word from your doctor. You can't have yours. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little too close to home right now, Pete. Yeah. What it is? Hey, we're keeping it real. That's what happens here. So. <laughs> Tony, that's, that's keeping it real. For sure. You want to keep it real? Um, you mentioned breakfast with Baselli. It sounds like you got to have a healthier breakfast moving forward. But um, what about all this clown stuff? Well, you know, and my guess is Pete said something similar. I get the the fans' frustration um, because at the end of the day, this is a national football franchise. The job of this team and the organization, it exists to play football. It exists to um, entertain fans. It exists to try to win championships. And that is something that this organization has been very poor at. Um, I would argue the only time that it was consistent was when I played. And Tom Coughlin was head coach. And when we were the owner, and that was a generation ago, right, a couple generations. And if you look at since Shad Khan has been the owner, because that's what we're, you know, really all we should be thinking about and talking about right now, is it's been nine years of 10-plus lost seasons. It's been nine years of no hope of being one of the worst teams in the NFL in a league that is set up for parity, in a league that is set up to bring the bottom teams up to the, at least the middle. And outside of the one year in 2017, which now looks like an anomaly, if you just are just being completely honest and looking in the mirror and saying, like, let's call it what it is. We're arguably the worst franchise, the worst football organization in the NFL. And that's hard to argue. That's a fact. Those are numbers. Um, And I think – and so I get the fans being really frustrated and really upset and wanting change and wanting something different. What I don't like is the disrespect of using the clown emoji with Shad Khan. That's where I don't like. I get it. I just don't like it. Because I think what we forget, and it's hard to remember this, is that Shad Khan, since he's been owner, has done a lot of great things. He has stabilized the franchise. There is no longer a need for us to go out and beat the bushes to defend that our team is not leaving and going to L.A. or some other market. There is, you know, he has stabilized. Those conversations are over. Those stories are over. And he's done, and that is due to him and his vision and what he has done and the way he has stabilized and his just ability to come and say, we are not moving. This is our home and this is what we're going to do. That's good stuff. His investment in the city from an infrastructure to development standpoint, infrastructure in the stadium, infrastructure around the stadium, entertainment, what he wants to do. Amazing stuff. Visionary. All great stuff. The problem is, and this is why he has to fix the football side, nobody is starting to care about that, and that's too bad. And that's what bothers me. And that's what I see when I see the emojis. I see fans who are so frustrated they forget, and rightfully so, of all the great things he's done. And if if we don't get the football side right, because that's why we exist. That's the only reason. This football, The only reason Tony Vaselli lives in Jacksonville is because there's an NFL football team here. The only reason a lot of people have come to Jacksonville because it's an NFL football team. It's about wins and losses, and we have to do better there, and he has to fix it. And he has to, in my opinion, 
the question I'd be asking myself is, do I have the individuals and the people on that side of the building right now who can fix it? Who can not? And it's not about picking players. I'm so tired of hearing like, who are we going to draft? Receiver, linebacker, you know, whatever. Well, the Bengals drafted receiver instead of offensive lineman. Maybe we should do that. That is ridiculous talk. That's not what is going to change this organization. Because guess what? We had the number one pick with getting the best player, a generational franchise quarterback, and it was a disaster. Because if you don't fix the culture, if you don't fix the football side of the building, it doesn't matter how many high picks you have. It doesn't matter what you do. You will mess it up ultimately, and the players will not flourish because the culture in the football side of the business is poor. And so he has to fix that, and that is on him. With that said, I don't like the clown emojis. I don't like that fans are planning on bringing clown suits to the game on Sunday. I think it's disrespectful. I get it. I understand it. I understand the frustration. I just hope and would wish we would handle it a little bit different. But at the same time, it's hard for me to blame the fans because at the end of the day, winning winning and losing is most important, and that's what they want. And we have been really poor at that. Tony you said Vassell. exactly what I said. You said, you said basically what I said. I, I, uh, the moves have been clownish, Tony, the football moves. Let's be real. Coaches hiring, uh, all the draft picks, the whole deal, all the way down. It's been clownish. So I get the venom. I get the anger. But I, I'm with you. I think calling him a clown and making his face a clown uh, is absurd. So I, that one I don't get. And I don't, I don't, I don't like it. Uh, but I understand the fans, and they have a right to be mad. And you know what? When you're sure. a fan of the team, you can be mad. You can be angry. You can do you can do things like bring your clown stuff to the game. That's your right. That you're a fan. You should be able to. And you pay Pete, for your I'll say seat. This. Pete, I, I'll say this. I'd rather have the outrage and the anger than apathy. Than nothing at all. That's right. I don't want apathy. Mm-mm. And that's my fear. My fear is that. But you're right. And that is why. Yeah, that's, that's around the corner. That's around the corner. You have a couple more years of this. It's around the corner. And that's why Sean has to fix it. And, and he has to fix it by getting a new guy in there. you got to get the culture changed. Get a new guy in there. Done. Over with. And, 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 and I think. Like, I want to say it again. I want to make sure everyone understands my opinion. Maybe. I want to make sure. Maybe. Ball, hold, uh, hold, hold on, Go ahead, Pete. Pete. Go ahead, Pete. No, go ahead, Pete. No, maybe. Okay, maybe Balky is just going to do some of the the question asking in those interviews because who else could do it? If he's not, if Balky isn't there, let's take him out of the equation. If there are being, if there are coaching interviews being done, who's asking the football questions? Shad, Lamping, Tony? No, you got to have somebody in there. So let them ask the questions, and then after the process is done, get rid of them. Yeah, I don't like that either. To be honest with you, um, I just think I don't think picking players is what's important right now. And I know people are listening to me like, "What do you mean we got to get right the right players? We got to get the right players? Really? Do we? Because we got the best quarterback supposedly in the history of college football, and he's gone backwards, in my opinion. And we're a disaster. We are we are a worse team than we were the year before. And Correct. we got the great picks." We have to, it's not about getting the right picks. Why are the why are the same franchises good every year? They pick in the back half of the draft. It's about culture. It's about leadership. 
It's about alignment. It's about having a vision of where you're going and holding people to a standard. It's about everyone rowing in the same direction. That doesn't happen right now, in my opinion. And from what I've heard. And that needs to change. And, and even if I was not there one day ever in my life, I could look at the analytics, W's and L's, and it tells you it's broken. And so you need to fix it. And I actually think, I was thinking about this, and I love your opinion on this, Pete. I actually think Sean Kong had the right structure when he had Tom Coughlin as the EVP. I'm just not sure Tom was the right person at the time he brought him in, because I think Tom still wanted to be a coach. I don't think Tom wanted to be EVP and do what an EVP had to do and set the culture and what we're doing and, and, and oversee the GM and head coach and, and push them or gently direct them where they needed to go and making sure they're on the same page. I think he wanted to be in the midst of it. He wanted to be on the field. I mean, just go back to one of those practices because that's who he is. He's a coach at heart. But I actually think the structure was the right thing because if you think about where has Sean Conn ever had a lot of success in Jacksonville on the business side? How is the business structure? There's one person, the president, Mark Lamping. He runs it. He reports to Sean. Everyone else on that side of the business reports to Mark. He makes the calls. He takes the vision. He sets the culture. He, this is where we're going. Pretty damn successful. I think you need the same structure, an EVP on the football side that then goes down the coach and the GM report to him and let that EVP report to Sean. And if that EVP doesn't do it, could fire him. I agree. 100%. But I think there needs to, because right now, Sean is running football. Correct. Because the GM and the head coach both report to Sean. Sean's yeah, not there every day. Well, he, here, but here's the thing. If you he hire has the a very EVP, successful bumper business. He's got to have final sure say. He's got to have attention. final say. What's that, Pete? He's got to have final say if you hire him. So essentially the GM would become a personnel man, which is fine. I don't mind that. You need a football guy in there to run the thing. I'm, I'm with you 100% on that, Tony. I think they need an EVP. And if you hire the EVP before this stuff all took place, then he I could be the guy in the, make, in the interview. I would make that. I would make that the priority, Pete. Make that the priority, and then go get the rest right. And, and stop feeling like he has to be first. Was it was it Nick Sirianni one of the last hires in this this last coaching cycle for the Eagles? Yes. Yes. And was it one? What is it? Wasn't it one of the most criticized coaching hires after the press conference? It wasn't Correct. the hot one. They basically got everyone else after Sala and Arthur Smith and everyone else got picked. If I, if I got my timeline right. I'm pretty Urban. sure I do. Urban. Sirianni was last. What are the Eagles doing this uh, January, Pete? Correct. I the don't know the postseason. Nick Sirianni's a Zach Taylor. Player. Zach Taylor's another one that was hired and I'm, nobody I'm, I'm going to give you even a better one. This is why I would, if I was... If Sean were to ask me, which he has not, just to be clear, I would say, Sean, most important, get the guy to top right. Don't be, worry about being first and missing out on the hot coach. That's a misnomer, in my opinion. Don't worry about that. Get the culture right first. 
get the guy who can set the tone for the culture, what the building's about. And then you can get that. Because the culture are a pretty good team. Frank Wright, would, that, would you take him as a head coach? I would. I think he's a good head coach. I do, too. Uh, Frank Wright was an after afterthought. Because Josh McDaniels turned them down at the after taking the job. All the other jobs were filled. And the Colts were, quote, unquote, scrambling to fill the position. I'll give you, I'll give you another example, Tony. It's Frank Wright. What about the number one, number one seed in the AFC in the same division? What about that culture? John Robinson, general manager, close, gets along. Vrabel's the coach. When he got hired, it wasn't like, oh, my God, they got Mike Vrabel. Oh. And now they're, right now they're the number one seed. Look at their – you know what their culture is. They're going to hit and you in the mouth. They, they're going to be what? physical and In my tough. opinion, Mike Vrabel is the coach of the year because what he has done without their best player – for half the, over half the season, and they're going to be the number one seed with all the injuries they've had. That is the most impressive, impressive coaching job I've seen this year in the NFL. He's he would be my vote for coach of the year. You can make a case for Matt Lafleur too. You make you can make it. Matt Lafleur's had you know all his forces for the whole year, pretty much. No, he hasn't. He's playing <laughs> yes, with he four has. backup off. He's playing with four backup offensive linemen. He hasn't. His okay, starting fine. tight end went out like in the second week of the season. He hasn't had Zadarius Smith and Jair Alexander on defense for almost the entire year. Wrong. Okay, Pete. Would you would you argue that Derek? Okay, let me ask you this: When Derek Henry got hurt after week six, or maybe it was week eight, whatever week it was. When he was the center point and over a thousand yards, two hundred yards more than any other running back, what would you have said if I said the Tennessee Titans are going to be the number one seed in the AFC? You'd have been like, "You're crazy." No, Derrick Henry. You know what I would? I probably, I probably would have looked at it, looked back on it, and said, "You know what? Running backs, you get them everywhere. They run for two (laughs) hundred yards against New England without them. They've run on everybody since then without them. They just keep running." Foreman ran wild yesterday. You just run. Look, he's done a really – the coach of the year is between him and LaFleur. I get it. I understand it. And I understand 100% what you're saying about the hot guy. Don't get the hot guy. Get the right guy. All right. Let's – It's about the culture. It's about the the standard and how you do things. And it's about the relationships on that side of the building. It's about everyone being aligned, everyone rowing in the same direction, everyone knowing where they're going. There's no question what the voice is and who's who's what we're doing in that side of the building. That we have not had that over there for a long time. Agree 100%. That is keeping it real, presented by Woodbridge by Robert Mondavi. Open up a winner today. Real Ingredients award-winning wine by Robert Mondavi. I don't know if we'll top that one, Pete. Wow. Plenty ahead. Your social questions will go around the league as well. This is Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour Monday afternoon after a Jaguars loss by 40 points to the New England Patriots, 50-10. to 10. J.P. Shadrick with Pete Prisco and Tony Baselli. And you know what will cheer everybody up? Social media questions. We put out the bat signal yeah, earlier sure today. Will. Yeah, that's how it works, Pete. Here's the best we've come up with today. 
At 904 and more, if the Eagles offered their three late first-round picks for number one overall, do you pull the trigger on that trade? Stand by. I will tell you at the moment what they are. The Eagles at the moment have the 14th pick via the Dolphins. They have the 21st pick. This is, of course, with the playoff teams come in. That's via Indianapolis. And uh, they, oh, they would have the 19th and the 21st. So 14, yes. 19, 21. Yep. In an instant. You would do that. Yep. But what are they going to go up for? Yeah, They're I guess not. before I say yes, not. jump in real quick, Pete, and then you tell me why you would. I'm not sure if I would. And the reason I say that, I haven't done enough. Of, I don't know if this is a deep draft. I don't know. You know, like, for instance, I know we need receivers. We need speed. Like, how many – how many first-round receivers are there? Um, I know we need speed on defense. Like, so what is, like, where is the strength of this draft? Maybe you know that, Pete. I haven't done any work, so I have no idea if it's a deep draft one area or another. So depending on what the middle to the back end of the draft looked like would determine whether I would make that trade or not. But theoretically, will be ones for the first overall, it would be hard to pass up. Right, because if you if you're at one, if you're at one, you're stuck. You're taking either Hutchinson, Thibodeau, or Evan Neal. Basically, that's what you're going to take. You're not going to take a receiver number one. You're just not. There's not a. I mean, okay. there's no chaser in this class, so I don't see one. So you're not going to take a receiver one. So you got to ask yourself: Do you take the premier pass rusher, or do you get three players? You get a wide receiver, and it is a pretty deep wide receiver class. There's four of them that I think will go in the first round, or at least three for sure. And so you could get one there. Then you could draft an offensive lineman there. There's a couple good tackles. There's a big tackle at North Carolina State. There's a big tackle at Mississippi uh, State. Uh, So you can get these big tackles because there are three of them, and then, you know, Evan Neal will be one of them. And then there's, you know, the pass rushers, there are a couple of them, as well as the top two. So I do think you can get value for that pick if you wanted to. Hmm. You, could, hey, Tony, and, and so, you could also take two receivers if you want to. That's true. No, that's right, Pete. That's why I'm, I'm saying I'm not saying I wouldn't do it. I'd, I'd want to look at the draft. And, 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 and JP, you said 15 and then two in the 20s? They have 14, 19, and 21 at the moment. Because one thing, if you did do that trade, you might be able to do is take the 19 and the 21 and trade back up those two picks, maybe up to 10, and get two good, really good receivers, possibly at 10 and 14. I mean, I'm just well, like, I'm stuff looking out. at a mock draft that's done now. In this mock draft, in that you would be able to get Jamison Williams and Chris Olave, and then you'd still be able, or you could get a, a or D, uh, you know an offensive tackle, Charlie Cross from Mississippi State. You could get all three of them. In that scenario, which and which I think is better for you than taking one guy at the top of the draft. So yes, to answer that question, yeah, I mean, one. Yeah, I've only watched yeah. I've only watched a little bit of Hutchinson, and I mean I want to watch a lot more. But he was watching him against Alabama. He's no, a, against or Georgia. Against Georgia, Georgia, sorry, against Georgia. He's a good player, but he didn't look dominating to me. And I saw him in the Big Ten, where he did look more dominating. So. You never want to judge a player on one game. That's dangerous. Yeah. Um, 
but he didn't look like physically dominating to me. Like, to, remember, like uh, Miles, like you watch Miles Garrett at Texas A and M, even when he didn't have great games because he didn't have great games. I, I can't remember he played somebody. It may have been Cam Robinson who played really well against him, uh, in when Alabama played A and M. But you just saw like the physical physicality of, of Miles Garrett. You're like, oh my gosh, this dude is a beast. I don't look at Hutchinson and go, oh my gosh, this guy's a physical like man child. Um, he yeah, almost looks lean. A little bit he almost of, looks of lean, guy. doesn't he, Tony? He looks what? Lean. Like, really lean. He, he looks smaller he, than I thought. Yeah. Like yeah. he got up against those big Georgia tackles. I'm like, oh my gosh. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh, next question. Let's get through a couple more here and move along uh, on social media today. Uh, at Weimer, Stephen, if you're hired as the Jaguars head coach, hypothetically, what area of need are you focusing on first? The first thing I, I mean, I think any, I don't, I don't think it's just the head coach. It's whatever structure the child comes up with. Those two or three individuals, whoever they are, need to get their first meeting. Says, okay. Who are we going to be offensively? Like, what is our scheme? Like, what are we going to be? And let's let's think about this in the in, the, in light of we have this young, dynamic, talented quarterback. And what is his skill set? What what do we need to form, build this offense around him to be successful? And then based on what your philosophy is going to be and how you're going to structure it. For your, around your young quarterback, then that determines kind of how you build it and where you go and where you spend your equity and, and free agency and in the draft. Regardless of everything I just said, you still need speed on both sides of the ball. Gotta get faster. You gotta get you gotta get better on both lines too, Tony. Let's be real about that. You're the big you preach that all the time. They gotta get better on the offensive I, line. And by the way, which, Tony, which, Walker Little, you haven't watched the tape. Walker Little actually played pretty well yesterday when I watched I, the tape. I was just going to say that. Watching him live, I was very happy with what I saw with Walker Little. And so that was promising. I would now, again, if I was head coach for this last game, I'd say, hey, Juwan Taylor, you're sitting. I'm putting Walker Little at right tackle. I want to see if he can do it at right tackle. Heck, I might even put him at guard. And say, what about Cam Robinson at right tackle? Well, I know Cam. I still think Cam's a better left tackle than Walker Little at this point. I'm not saying Walker can't become better than Cam. But go put Walker over at right tackle. See how he does. Hmm. Well, I agree. He's got to play. Why not? Go see what he can do. Because you have to make, you're going to have to make some big decisions on that offensive line. And, and you know, where are you going to spend money in free agency? Where, where are you going to, you're going to have to draft a couple probably in the middle of the draft. You're probably going to have to go find some veteran guys out on the street. A lot of work to be done on the O-line. Let's um, go one more social media question today. And this is at Duval underscore Buckeye. The only good thing about this season is you three on Monday. I pour a scotch, sit back, and enjoy the show. Even the wife leaves me alone for two hours. Thanks, guys, for covering this awful team and giving us some enjoyment. You're welcome. My favorite, my favorite social media uh, Twitter person of the of the year. Thank you, whoever that was. 
We love you, too. That really is. That really is nice. There's not even a dig at anybody or anything. Wow. No. I, 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 was, I was waiting for the punchline. <laughs> there was no punchline. I was waiting for one. No. That's good. And he's a and he's a Buckeye, so he probably wants Garrett Wilson here. Ah. Not a bad option, uh, by the way. Hey, let's come back. How about, how about, how about, that, how about the kid who's not even draft eligible with like 300 yards receiving? We talked about him. Jackson Bro, Smith. We talked about it earlier. And, yes. and he oh, was the third receiver on that team. Yes. Oh <laughs> He's the gosh. third receiver. Unbelievable. And by the way, the fourth receiver. By the way, this is where the, the NFL receiver. rule of not letting guys come out after their sophomore year. Like a kid like that, he can play receiver in this league. Wait, here's the other thing. The fourth receiver will be the first receiver taken in the draft. The Alabama, the Alabama. That's correct. He couldn't crack the lineup there. He had to leave town and go to Tuscaloosa. Let's come back. We'll go around the NFL, some scores, some highlights, all that coming up. Thanks for the social media questions and some of the comments, at least. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Welcome back, Jaguars Happy Hour. Final nine minutes of the program on a Monday afternoon. J.P. Shadrick with Pete Prisco and Tony Vaselli. Let's go around the National Football League and recap some of the games. And here's some highlights from radio calls. Rams over the Ravens, 20-19. Jalen is face-swiping teammates in the huddle now. The Bills over the Falcons, 29-15. Bears beat the Giants. The Bengals over the Chiefs. Joe Burrow with another huge day, including this touchdown to boy Dan Horde on Cincinnati's ESPN 1530 and the Bengals radio network. Second and goal from the five. Burrow in the gun. Chase out to the right. Mixon in the backfield to the right of Joe Burrow. The ball on the right hash. Shotgun snap. Burrow retreats. Looking. Throws into the yeah. back of the end zone. Yeah. Tyler Boyd. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Touchdown. Nice. Bengals. Nice. Near the back pylon. Tyler Boyd with great footwork. And now he sits up in the stands and flexes both biceps as the Bengals take the lead for the first time today. Well, Petey went over 500 last week. He darn near did it again this week. He's outstanding. And you know what? He knows how to navigate the pocket. There's been a lot of great passers in this league who don't have the wonderful athletic ability that we see in some of these quarterbacks now, but they know how to navigate the pocket, and he does, and makes throws with, with a lot of you know, bodies around his legs, and he's a heck of a player. That's a good team. I still can't believe when we look back on that season how the Jaguars led him by 10 on the road. How about that, right? Led him by 10 on the road. The Raiders over the Colts, last-second field goal. Daniel Carlson got the game-winning kick there. The Buccaneers over the Jets. Brady to Cyril Grayson for the go-ahead score. Gene Decker off on the Buccaneers radio network. Ready to go, Brady with 23 seconds to go. The snap a good one. Brady looking, cocks the arm, throws toward the end zone. Receiver open, caught ball, touchdown Tampa Bay! Touchdown Tampa Bay! Buccaneers take the lead for the first time of the game. Grayson makes the catch of the end zone. Buccaneers lead, 26-24. Tom Brady, you're terrific! 28-24 the final. Um, what happened on the sideline earlier in the game stealing all the headlines, Pete? I mean, Antonio Brown, who is... Uh, got some kind of has some kind of issues. Clearly, quit again. They told him to go in the game. He wouldn't go in the game, and he quit. Mm. He left. It was terrible. Um, by the way, I was there in the summer. 
I watched him get into an incident. He ran a go route. They didn't throw him the ball in practice. He moped. He started getting into it with the defensive backs. He pouted. He was complaining. And I told some people there, I said, this is going to be bad for you in the end. I'm telling you. And they waved me off. Well, it was bad for him. But you know what? In hindsight, they did get a Super Bowl out of it. They did. So, uh, Tony, you ever did. you ever seen that happen uh, before? Something like that? Or no? <laughs> no, no one's ever seen anything like it. It was it's crazy. I mean, I've seen crazy stuff happen on the practice field where Monte Davis didn't he quit in the middle of the game too. Remember who? Pete? Who? Didn't Monte Davis quit with the Buffalo Bills in the middle of the game? Well, I don't think it was this dramatic, though. No, but I he's not he Antonio Brown. I think he either. walked in the locker room. I mean, <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, here's I mean, the other I mean, thing. Ready? Here's the I other mean, thing the, about that game. The kid who caught the game-winning touchdown pass, former sprinter, 200-meter, 400-meter sprinter at LSU, never played football at LSU, bounced around seven different teams, and they found them, and now he's got a little bit of uh, juice in that passing game. He can run. Hmm. Uh, you don't think the Jaguars could use a former sprinter or, or uh, do that, do you? I mean, he was out there. There's that Grinch laugh again, by the way. Uh, we just heard it come <laughs> yeah, out. But, for but, but Pete, Pete, you can make those type of risky moves when you have Godwin, Evans, uh, Antonio Brown, Scotty Miller. I mean, those four guys would all be the best receiver on the Jaguars. Yeah, not, yeah, you're right. Hard, hard to argue that right now for sure. Yep. Uh, Titans over the Dolphins, 34-3. Tannehill to Jeff Swaim. You might have heard of him. He was on this Jaguars team. Mike Keith on Titans Radio. High formation for Tennessee. Tannehill has seven rushing touchdowns himself. Play fake. He throws. Man is wide open. Touchdown, Titans. Jeffrey Swaim. Well, the Titans have won the AFC South again. They held off the Colts, Pete. Just like we thought they would. And, uh, look, kudos to, uh, to the like, like uh, Tony said, Mike Vrabel's done a hell of a job. He really has. I mean, that, that's a tough physical football team, and you know what you're going to get every single week. They show up. They play hard. Uh, they might not, you know, win it all because of their, you know, their lack of, of their downfield throws. But if they get that run game going – those downfield throws become a lot easier. So they're dangerous. They're a dangerous team. Some other Pete, school- if, they beat, if they beat the Texans this weekend, which they will, and they get Derrick Henry back and he's 100%, the Tennessee Titans will win the AFC and be in the Super Bowl. Oh. Whoa, lock? What, lock it? Is that a lock? Lock it? I'm not, I'm not, I don't lock other teams. Oh, what are you talking about? I, I, I disagree with you. I think they're the – get in the way team that scares you, but they just don't have enough to get there. Tony didn't want to lock I it. Any, I, I think anyone who has to come to Tennessee on the AFC title game, I, I just think that's a physical team. They play good defense. They're, they get that run game going. Oh, you already, got, it. You already got him in the title game, so no matter who they play, <laughs> he's already got him in the title game. I like it. He does, uh, but he's not going to lock yeah. it. He's not going to lock it, though. I mean, they're not going to – I mean – in the second round, they're going to play. They're not going to play the Chiefs because they'll be, they can play they'll be the two England. seed. They can play New England. Huh? They can play New Buffalo. England. I think, I, I, think, I think they beat New England with Derrick Henry. Mm. 
One more call to get to the Packers over the Vikings, 37-10. The final play, Packers clinch the number one seed in the NFC. Ryan Radke on Westwood 1. Jordan Love will come up under center in the victory formation. Drops down to a knee, and that'll do it. The Green Bay Packers beat the Minnesota Vikings 37-10. The Packers finish off an 8-0 season here at Lambeau Field, and they have the number one seed in the NFC. The NFC's road to the Super Bowl will run right through Lambeau Field. So, Tony, will the Titans knock off the Packers if the Packers can run the table? I think the Packers are the best team in football. I think nobody's going to Lambeau and beating them. In the NFC Championship, I think it's going to be. I, I would right now, if I had to pick, as long as Derrick Henry's healthy, I think it's the Packers, the Titans in the Super Bowl, and I think the Packers win. Quickly, Pete, what do you think? I think it's the Packers winning it in the NFC, but I don't think the Titans will. I, I think it's either the Chiefs or the Bills. Monday Night Football, the last Monday night game of the season. A renewal of the old AFC North rivalry. The Cleveland Browns have been eliminated from playoff contention. They can return the favor to rival Pittsburgh. They're 7-7-1. Who you got at Heinz Field tonight, Pete? I got the Steelers. Ben Roethlisberger might be his last game. They're playing for something. By the way, if Pittsburgh wins tonight... The Steelers Nation is going to be big Jaguar fans because if the Jaguars somehow beat the Colts and the Steelers win next week, Oof. they'd be in the play. It's a big ask. Uh, Tony, what do you think? Yeah. <laughs> I think the Steelers win. I think Pete has uh, maybe sipped on the old uh, bottle a little bit if he thinks it, um, I don't. I, lo- I hope the Jags win. I don't see them beat the Colts. There's Pete Prisco, that's Tony Baselli, Joe Fortunato, Brent Reber, our entire crew. That'll do it for our show. Thank you for being a part of it. Thank you for watching and listening. I'm J.P. Shadrick. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on a Monday on the Jaguars Digital Network.